0: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, Forecasts and Success Strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us on one of the radio stations around the country, or maybe you're watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes, or maybe you're on CommercialRealEstateShow.com. Thanks for being with us. Well, today we're going to talk about development. We're going to talk about commercial development, and we're going to talk about residential development. And we're going to start with residential development. Even if you're just interested in commercial real estate, you better know what's going on in the housing market. So it certainly affects our economy and commercial real Real estate. Well, please welcome my guests, Steve Palm and Mitchell Palm. They're with Smart Numbers, and their company tracks lots and home sales. And uh, guys, well, welcome to the studio. And one here, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Michael. One of the questions that that we get from listeners about the residential uh, market and commercial market, but uh, is that it seems like in some markets the housing is getting pretty hot, pretty high priced, and I guess in a lot of markets higher than it's ever been. Are we in a potential bubble with residential housing?
1: Not at all. We actually track housing going back fairly far, and sure, the market crashed a lot back in nine, 10, 11, 12, but we we roared right back. And we've created a statistic that we took what we thought was 1995, 1996, where house prices were normal, let's say, and then they overheated, crashed, came back. But if you were to take that 1995, 1994 price and put an annualized rate of about 3.2%, our prices are today with that 3% where they should be. The market's efficient, it corrects, it comes back, and we're right where we should be.
0: Now, if they keep going high up, then we could have a bubble, but I don't anticipate that. I had uh, George, two on the, on the show the other day from the National Association of Realtors, and his comment about residential development that is that he doesn't think there's enough supply out there. What do you guys see? Absolutely. What do you think, Mitch?
2: Yeah, the same thing. Lack of supply, um, but even resales, though. If you sell a home at the right price right now, it's being sold very fast. Uh, the problem is new construction supply. And a lot of that has to do with the resale prices. Even though they're at a 1995 level, they're still not quite competing with new construction yet. And the cost of new construction, building materials, land costs, and labor costs are just too high right now.
0: And where are we on land supply? I know I've had you on the show in years past, and, you, and that and there was a lot of supply of lots, buildable lots. And it seems like the the supply, at least in our business, day to day. Uh, here in, in the southeast seems like on a lot of the projects we work on there's not a lot of buildable lots really uh, on the ground. What are you? Re- what's really going on?
1: We have a bunch of lots and most of the high growth areas, your Phoenixes and Vegases and Atlantas and Orlandos, there are a bunch of lots but they're far out okay. and people don't want to live far out. They want the primo lots and, and they're too expensive and with uh, Raw materials going up and restrictions, government restrictions, going up. It's hard to develop a lot in
0: town to be
1: competitive against resales in all of these markets.
0: That's interesting. So the clients that you work for, I know we're we're one of your clients, but your your builder clients. Let's say, what, what do they tell you? What do they what are they sensing from the marketplace for, as far as supply and demand?
1: There is plenty of demand. Uh, resales, are break, resales nationwide have broken records. May exceeded uh, June 06 for resales and exceeded it by almost 20%. Then June came out and beat May's total for resales. So the demand is there. However, new construction has lagged. I think annualized new construction units are about 810,000. And that's the last time we are at 810,000 was 1992, 1993. So we haven't come back to those roaring days of the 06s and 05s and not even close. As a good example, let's say we're maybe 60% back at the most. So there's a lot of room, there's a lot of demand, but it's not affordable new construction.
0: That's interesting. So it seems like when we're selling land in the Southeast that a lot of the players that were developing in residential uh, are gone. I mean, they, they went under, it seems like there's less players. What's the real story?
1: Tons of consolidation. I don't know if you just heard, but there was a Deer Horton just acquired another pretty big regional player out of Atlanta just last week. And we're seeing this all over. We're the the big, we actually keep a a chart where we show market share. Top 10 builders, top 50 builders, top 100 builders. And let's say the top 10 builders are about 42, 43% of all volume and back maybe by, let's say, 15 years ago, they were 18%. So, a lot of consolidation, just as you see with the lenders. All the banks seem to be consolidating now And too. to
2: give you an idea, DR Horton is actually the, the builder. I think you mentioned their name, right? Yeah. Uh, they're going to make up over 20% of the Atlanta market now. And Atlanta market is third in the nation. Huh. Um, and not only the builders, but the banks as well. you see a lot of banks consolidating too.
0: Yeah. So, where are the opportunities in, in residential development now as far as price range goes? That
1: that's a great question. We look at price a number one. There's X ranges. Let's say if we look at price ranges in 50,000 increments, we know what percentage of the buyers will be within that range. And as the price goes up, there's less buyers that can afford that price point. Now, here's the kicker. We just talked earlier about the in-town prices. Well, it's tough to develop on a on a piece of uh, property and develop it and have let's say three or four lots in a little cul-de-sac and the lots are going for 350,000. You know, you're starting to nix a bunch of your potential people that can buy that. There's actually a huge pent-up demand for condos in all these cities for that very reason. But what's happening, I'm gonna get a little bit off that, but because there's a ton of demand for condos, but it's hard to get a loan. You can get a loan easily for like two or three lots But when you build a high rise condo, you need a loan for like 120 units, 240 units. And it's very hard to get financing, but there's huge pent up demand. And that's if you get away from your Miamis and New York's and Chicago's, the, the high growth areas are just really lacking a good, you know, condo development. All that can be developed are like 10, 20 units, and it's all high-end.
0: And I want to ask you uh, about demand for condos, because that's going to interest a lot of our, our listeners and viewers who, who own apartments or are in that industry. But uh, before we go there, so the higher-priced homes, so there is some issue with affordability and people qualify for these loans today? Yeah, can qualify,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, we did a pretty, we, we have a housing summit that we, we put on twice a year, and we just did one back in uh, July, okay, and we kept wanting to see, well, why are these new home housing units lagging so far behind the resales? Resales are just blowing it away, and a demand for a house is a demand. Would your consumer, as you as a consumer, would you rather have a new home or a resale? I'd take a new home, I'll tell you what, every time. But but (laughs) what, what keeps you from buying that new home is to afford it you know you're gonna pay for that and, and I'm gonna pay the payments yeah and mm-hmm. we've always said that for someone to buy a new home the resale market can't be less than 80% of that price so if the new home is is 200 if the resale is one hundred sixty thousand comparable resale the person will say I'd rather have the new right now we're at about 64% And and then we look at a lot of the high growth areas because that's where most of our development for new construction is. Again, I mentioned it earlier, Vegas, Phoenix, Orlando, Charlotte, Nashville, uh, Houston, Atlanta. And and that's why it's lagging behind because we can't get that resale to be 80% anew. There's too much cost. The raw materials are are affecting it, but there's plenty of demand for it. And then again, you can go farther out, but people don't want to live farther out. So that's what's holding it up.
0: So if uh, we have a listener or a viewer who owns uh, some land that could be developed at res- of into residential, while interest rates are low, is this a good time for them to at least look at the market and see what it might bring if, you've, if, if we don't have enough supply of lots and houses? I would definitely look at it.
1: You know, the market's so good right now. You know, if you just wait on it, uh, yeah, it might go up 5 7% next year, but sell it now course, you don't know if the market tank next year. I don't think it will tank. I think it's going to still keep moving forward the next couple of years. Even with the election coming up, uh, I think we're looking at real estate just like during the dot-com era. Dot-com really hurt uh, the computers and software back in 2001, but housing wasn't really that affected. It just kept rolling around.
0: Quick answer. If interest rates are 100 base, 1% higher a year from now, does it impact the housing market? Does it keep rolling?
1: It may impact it by 2% less. That's it.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: it's not going to affect it.
0: Yeah. So we'd have to have a more significant rate increase. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Even that 1% increase would still be much less. You
2: know, 05, 06, we had the boom. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you think about affordability, though. If, oh, if people are, yeah, are having yeah. trouble... You know, affording these home loans. Well, and, and as you talked about, you said there's more demand for condos, and I think a lot of our listeners want to hear about that. So stay with us more on development. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking about development. My guests are Steve Palm and Mitchell Palm, and they're with smart numbers, and we're talking about residential development, and Steve, in the previous segment, you were mentioning that now you're seeing a demand for condos. And I guess part of that is the affordability. And I think we have a lot of listeners that uh, might be interested in building condos or even converting condos. So, you know, what do you see there? What's the real story?
1: It's a lot of demand there, um, especially because most of the condos are in, in town and in, in the city. People want to commute, they want to be by public transportation. But again, as I mentioned earlier, it's hard to get a loan for 120 units or a couple hundred units. And the affordability, usually when you think of single family, you wanna get, let's say a town home, which is a little bit less in price. And if you wanna do even a little bit less than that, you go for a condo. So there's a bunch of demand for that. And uh, uh, Mitch actually came to me, he had a request to, for um, a customer to do a feasibility for a condo. And he goes, I don't know, I don't know what to do. We've had so few requests for this. And I go, and we just ripped out and tell him all the stuff we've done in the past, you know, the big major developments. And it, I think it surprised you to see that we had done so many feasibility for all these condos. And that's why I think there's, there, we're working on a few that, that they're planning about it, but there's a huge demand for it. But.
0: So we're gonna see that coming down the pike, more condos?
2: We believe so, a lot of our commercial clients actually are mentioning it now too, that the cost of building uh, apartments is getting out of hand and the rent costs are getting too high to compete. Uh, so we're seeing also rumors of conversions like you mentioned as well. And you mentioned the, the lack of supply. Uh, we, we can see there's demand in condos right now just because I think condos, you're looking at about three, three and a half months supply, which typically a healthy market's about six, six and a half. That's for resales. Home ownership, uh, we were actually just talking about this in the break, but um, the second quarter from last year for United States home ownership went dropped to sixty two point nine percent, which is actually the lowest of all time. Uh, granted that's you know dating back only sixty one years when we started tracking it, but still it gives you an idea of how much, you know, we are behind, and how much we're slacking.
0: And is some of that because of the lack of supply or affordability or is that just a kind of a change in the way a lot of us are living now?
1: Worked with a lot of um, charts and numbers and it has come down to what we call disposable income. And today we have that much less disposable income than let's say we had 15 years ago. And
0: for example, insurance give us?
1: Well, I tell you what, uh, I can tell you right now, our median family income is today, when was it, 1998? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nineteen. That's all right. And that we, we're we back to where our median family income, 1998 is where we're at today. Yeah. So our purchasing power, you know, your inflation rates are much, have just keep going. And that's where you have your, your stagnant, and that's why new construction is, is lagging these record-breaking resales that are happening.
0: Yeah. Well, the millennials, as they start to, to have children and, and want to be in good school districts, you know, do you see the residential uh, single-family markets uh, improving then or being more supply, or or apartments still going to be the winner? your best question yet? I hope so
1: because my kids are not moving back. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, I like being an empty nester. Do
0: you? Uh, you can too bad. I
2: was saying too that, you know, you look at the first time home buyer average age is about 32, 33 now, mm-hmm. which is much higher than it used to be. And you know, a lot of these students came out of school with a lot of debt, couldn't afford it. And it's a lifestyle choice, I think too. You, you can't buy a home or a, a condo or apartment or a town home in town anymore. You have to rent to be able to afford in town, and if you're working in town, you know, with these commuting um, times and costs, it's just not worth it.
0: Yeah, and Steve, you were giving us some examples on the break of just how you can kind of sense it when you're going about your everyday life about affordability, right?
3: Absolutely. We're talking about the grocery uh,
0: store and the well, insurance thing. Uh, my health care, we talked about my health
1: care right mm-hmm. now, I pay over 1400 a month, mm-hmm. and it's shoddy to begin with. <laughs> and prescriptions are expensive. I'm getting old, I'm a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. But uh, back in 1982, I remember paying $20 every two weeks and it covered everything, including dental and optical. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So instead of going for that, uh, you know, nicer car or the snowmobile or the boat, or you got to pay for um, your higher food prices, your higher education prices, your
0: yeah. higher health care, or instead of going for that and nicer home, right? You're, you're you've got to pay money out for your insurance and your and everything else. Insurance for everything is going up. It's
1: it's um, disposable income. We've actually isolated that. and It's disposable income. That's why the home ownership is at an all-time low and why new construction is lagging nationwide over resales disposable and go welcome. out to eat they go always mention eat. that too yeah. yeah uh we did something too and it was locally we did something called we looked at uh, restaurant row there's a death row here <laughs> and very populous area and we just went and we had an area and go you know when it was when it out of business and when it was when it out of business when it was and there's only one left but the one uh you know, building that's left is a bar, and, and I said, "Well, all the owners of the of the restaurants go hang out and have sor- beers over sorrow in this bar, but and all of them are still empty." And is this pretty far yeah. out of town?
0: No, it's
1: just, actually close in town.
0: Oh, close in town. Yeah. So it's an area that just hasn't
2: bounced back. Yeah. We did hear finally that the owner of the land is actually trying to sell it just because he can't
0: get any tenants. Yeah. Well, we'll have to give him a call. <laughs> um, and what about uh, we touched on this before, but. Um, if you have some land or you um, want to build some houses today, uh, is there more opportunities in the, in the lower-priced end, lower priced homes or, or where is the opportunity? The lower
1: the price for a home, the better you can sell it. And that's why we still do a ton of feasibility. And we'll get a, a request and it, it, it all affects each other. The size of the home, the, the size of the lot, what's in the home but it all racks into the price. And what we look at, and it's pretty consistent nation, in, in that we look at the high growth in markets cause that's where new construction happens the most. But you get up to about a 500 thou for a home in all of these markets, you're at about, let's say 85% of the market. Anything a bit beyond that 15%. So your market really contracts as you get above 500 thou. Yeah. And it's just hard to make things happen in town easily make it happen out in the rural areas though
0: yeah so what do you expect for development housing development and, and new development moving forward in the next few years
1: uh we came out with our forecast we still think uh we've been pretty much on target you know and fortunately we were the ones that came out 2005 and said you know we're, we're going to start tanking this thing and then we came back in 12 and said we're coming out of it and people said we're still crazy but Uh, We believe that we're going to be up about 15% next year. We're going to be up 15% this year as we finish out the year. And then even in 18, even no matter what happens in the elections, we think that could be up another double-digit percentage increase.
0: Hmm. What is your top tip for a land developer that's developing residential homes today? your research. Location, location, location. (laughs) How about
1: timing, timing, timing. And it's it takes so much longer to get get, uh, your permitting and your government uh, papers all signed up. It's much more longer of a period.
0: Yeah. So start early and figure out what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being in Studio One.
1: Great. Thank you, Michael.
0: Well, stay tuned. We're going to talk about commercial development. We're going to have Kermit Baker with AIA here, and they have an interesting report where they have a Billings report. So you can kind of get an idea what the architects are doing. Well, then you might have an idea of what's going to happen in construction and construction jobs and development and new supply, which is going to impact everything. So stay with us. And also, please connect with us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you comment on our shows. Well, stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Welcome back to the commercial real estate show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about development. We're looking at forecasts. We're looking at strategies and we're looking at update on the development environment. And please welcome my next guest is Kermit Baker. He's chief economist with AIA, the American Institute of Architects. Kermit, thanks for joining us today.
3: Uh, Glad to be with you here, Michael.
0: You know, one of the things that really interested me about talking to you, and it's always interesting to talk to you, Kermit, but one of the things I think is really interesting is your architecture billing index because it seems like that could be a little bit of a fortune teller. What do you see there?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and let me give just a little background to your listeners, Michael, about what our architecture billings index is. We've been running this for over 20 years now. It's a monthly survey of architecture firms. Um, and we asked them about uh, design revenue, kind of how much business they have at their operation. And um, we have uh, uh, we, we, we've converted this to a national index um, that's centered around 50. And uh, if that score is 50, it means the design revenue is, is going up which ultimately means that construction activity is going up. Uh, design activity has about a 9- to 12-month lead over construction activity. So it's a really good snapshot as to where the construction industry is headed. Um, our, our July figures are most recent. Um, uh, the score for July was 51.5, so uh, a, a bit above that uh, 50 threshold that I mentioned. So it does uh, suggest that uh, design activity... Um, has been increasing. Um, the June number was about 52 and a half. The May number was about 53. So we've seen good solid numbers uh, in our design index. Uh, but they have been slowing a little bit in recent months. And I have a hunch that's going to continue to slow. We seem to be on the downside of this construction cycle. Uh, so I'm guessing we're going to continue to see growth in construction activity, but a bit slower than we saw last year.
0: Okay, and Kermit, does that include you know governmental work and institutional work? Uh, pretty much everything.
3: It it it, it really focuses on non residential activity, but okay. we do have a, a residential sub index uh that michael has been extremely strong because of the strength in the in the multifamily market uh, on the non-residential side we break it down between uh commercial industrial uh sort of the private side of the market and then institutional sort of the non-profit public side of the market uh, the commercial industrial has been uh you know turned turned uh, stronger uh, um, uh, further ago, kind of three, three years ago, we saw that market move up. Uh, we've just seen the institutional market move up in the last uh, year and a half. institutional would be education, healthcare care, uh, government facilities. So um, it, it does break down between those two. It looks like um, it looks like the institutional market's probably going to be a little bit stronger. Uh, over the coming year, uh, Michael, just because it was kind of late coming to the party that that recovery in, in that sector didn't be, didn't begin until as I said about a year and a half ago.
0: Okay. And Kerman, help us put this in perspective a little bit this, this 51.5 that you're seeing right now. how does that compare to say pre-recession times when we had the really go-go construction happening?
3: Sure. so we um, so, so this is a 100 point scale as I said centered around 50. Uh, I don't think we've uh, uh, seen numbers uh, above 60 more than once or twice, one or one or two months over the 21 years we've been running this. So, you know, any score in the mid 50s is a very very strong number. Uh, any score in the mid to upper 40s would be considered a weak number. I mean, we actually saw some numbers in the 30s during the recession. We didn't think we'd ever see those numbers, but that was really. Uh, uh, really quite unprecedented but um you know low to mid 50s we would consider to be a very healthy uh, design market and therefore a very healthy construction market
0: All Right. well that's good news for economy and and for jobs and uh and for commercial real estate and so what's hot is uh, apartments obviously hot uh, you talked about industrial being hot
3: yeah the uh the, the manufacturing ha- is cooling off but that was very hot uh mm-hmm. Uh, through fourteen in the first half of uh, two thousand and fifteen a lot of petrochemical stuff uh, coming online with the fluctuation we were seeing in uh, uh, in in energy costs hotel and office have have been surprisingly strong retail not quite as as strong but um, looks like it may have a you know, a, a bit more in terms of legs in that market, too. So, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing health in all those sectors, uh, Michael, even though you hear a lot of stories about why those commercial markets should be, should be weak. You know, on the office side, a lot of stories about some reasonably healthy numbers. And on the hotel side, a lot of talk about, you know, Airbnb and other sort of uh, sharing sites that we thought would cut into that. But, but so far they've held up pretty well. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think we're seeing, uh, a lot of ground for telecommuting and, uh, more shared office space, lower square footage per employee, but that doesn't seem to have affected office construction much. On the retail side, uh, a lot of stories about e-commerce and uh, less need for brick-and-mortar retail activities, and and that market has been the slowest commercial market, but still some optimism that the entire commercial sector uh, is going to continue to be fairly healthy.
0: Well, that's great, and we're seeing the same thing. I guess before the the billing index uh, on selling land. Well, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay with us. We'll have more from Kermit Baker, chief economist with AIA. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you in commercial real estate brokerage? Check out Apto. Created by and for commercial real estate brokers, Apto is the leading web-based platform for managing relationships, properties, listings, deals, and back office. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. First Service Solutions, your CMBS borrow advocate. For requests, assumptions, consulting, and restructuring, call First Service Solutions at 817-756-7227. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We're talking with Kermit Baker. He's Chief Economist with AIA, American Institute of Architects. And Kermit, one of the things I'm curious about now is is what are the challenges in the development and the construction and design business right now? It seems like we've we've had some labor issues. Uh, what's on the mind of uh, your members today?
3: Yeah, very much so, Michael. So you know, um, during the first uh, segment of, of of this discussion, we were really talking about you know demand problems, demand for space, and things like that, and the economy recovering. And uh, how could we generate more need for space? You know, I, I think that discussion has flipped over over the last 12, 18 months uh, out of the demand side and really into the supply side. When you, when you talk to architects, when you talk to contractors uh, about the issues, about the, the home builders, about the issues they're f- facing, they really uh, a- almost always quickly come around to supply issues. So you, so you mentioned labor, a uh, huge issue, the construction labor force uh... about twelve million uh... workers prior to the downturn uh... it's down to about ten million workers now that that's the labor force not the uh-huh. folks that are uh... employed in construction so we've lost uh... close to twenty percent of our potential here and uh... and, and so the unemployment rate um, for construction workers uh... has been uh... falling like a rock recently and most contractors uh... you talk to uh... Are, are their number one problem is getting uh getting more workers and it's exactly the same problem for architects we lost about uh... uh thirty thousand architecture positions uh, wow. uh... you know out of about a hundred hundred ten thousand uh, uh... nationally uh... during the downturn and and most of those seem to have moved on to uh, other other professions so um... They're not like with construction. They're probably not coming back either. So we have a uh, a major chore in terms of you know uh, rebuilding the labor force, both for design and construction. Uh, That's number one on the list. Financing certainly uh, you know continues to be a problem um, both on the uh, you know both in terms of permanent financing as, as well as construction financing. Um, you, you talk to home builders they talk about land availability as being a huge problem developable land uh, and and on the commercial uh, institutional side getting uh, good solid construction sites um, is uh, you know is a growing problem I think you know more and more folks want to be in these prime downtown locations they don't want to be out in the burbs anymore and uh, uh, there's just limited land availability to do that so I think we're going to be um, uh, we we're, we're we're going to be coping with these supply issues really, for the rest of this cycle.
0: And Kerman, how does the construction industry feel about potential changes in immigration laws?
3: Well, from what I've heard they're they're very concerned. I mean, mm-hmm. construction probably second to um, uh, agriculture relies on a immigrant workforce uh, traditionally about 30 percent of the construction labor force is, is immigrant labor um, often uh, from from Mexico central and in and, and South America uh, that has dried up a lot recently I, I, I think independent of the you know the the political rhetoric we've heard I think just sort of normal economic forces have have, have cut back there was a very interesting uh, article I saw recently that most states across the country uh the principal immigrant group uh, has has changed from a uh, mexican uh to uh indian or 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 chinese so we're we're really uh, moving in different directions in terms of immigration policy um and and that does have uh, tremendous implications for the for the construction industry like like i said probably more so than than almost any other industry
0: yeah and i guess the, if there are changes in immigration uh, and then you already have a labor shortage it could mean uh, even more challenge with costs right
3: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that uh, that that is one of the quickest ways. I think to help solve the the labor problem is to is is to in, in increase the immigrant uh, um, workforce. So, secondly, it's um, you know to to really start these training and apprenticeship programs that were shut down during the downturn. Uh, third, I think is um, and, and and not probably not number three on the list, but number three I'm going to talk about is that. Uh, the construction labor force has really not relied much on women. I think uh, women only make up 2 or 3% of the construction labor force. If we could get that up to 10%, 15 20%, that would, that would really uh, uh, open up uh, a tremendous un- untapped source of new labor for this industry.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. I wish I could get my wife to do the repairs around my house. If, <laughs> if you can get I, help I won't me go out there, there, Michael. <laughs> what about uh, design trends? What do you see interesting there, Kermit?
3: Yeah, well, we we, um, we, we recently, uh, Michael, at, at the AIA just did a major survey of uh, clients of architects. So these would be developers and uh, building owners, and we asked them what Types of you know attributes they'd like to see in projects that they're going to be working on over the next uh, next few years. So we gave them a long list of things to think about and, and ask whether those are really important to the projects they have or 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 not so important. Um, and like I said, it's a long list. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run through it all. But but they they sort of group into cluster into three major categories. And the first is. You know, I, I think one that we've seen a lot of, but continues to be strong, and that that's an area I, I, I think I'd categorize as sustainable design. So this is this is things like having um, energy efficient systems in their buildings, uh, healthy buildings. Um, you, you know, has become a very very hot topic. Uh, water conservation as a feature in their buildings. More recently, renewable energy. Uh, resilient uh, design is a term that uh, buzzword we've heard a lot more over the over the over the last year or two. Uh, all those I think are, are are rating very high in the sustainable design category. Second category is. Um, uh, you're really dealing with more flexibility to meet uh, the occupant needs. I think as businesses change, uh, as, they, uh, as, as they look to use their space differently, they want a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot more flexibility. So they're talking about things like space.
0: Okay. Well, Kermit, thanks for joining today. We appreciate you being on the show and stay tuned. We'll have more on development. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. What are you doing October 24th and 25th? Well, come see us at CCIM Thrive, the national CCIM event of the year. Covering hot topics like crowdfunding and big data, this is the one industry event you cannot miss. Visit CREShow.com and look for CCIM Thrive. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about development strategies. Please welcome my next guest is Patrick Fox. He is CEO of Saint Consulting Company and he's joining us on Skype. Patrick, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And we appreciate you being here. And tell us what you do. I like the way you refer to it. It's land use politics, right?
4: Sure. Yeah, everything that's built uh, requires uh, local approval. We do the politics of land use. We've done over 2,000 projects across 48 U.S. states and five countries. We are either generating support for a project or generating opposition to a project, depending on what our clients' needs are at the time.
0: That's right. So uh, you've got a great article that you wrote that I saw uh, that uh, we're going to put a link down below. It's called Empowering Fools. And uh, there's some great things that some people have said in opposition to some projects. Uh, Tell us about the... um, Was it a woman who spoke up about the uh, turbine farm you you were working on?
4: Sure. Yeah, we had a a wind farm hearing uh, in the Midwest, and we had a a woman stand up and say, if you are going to build 100 wind turbines going in one direction, you're going to need to build 100 wind turbines going in the opposite direction somewhere (laughs) else on the planet where you're going to screw up the rotation of the Earth.
0: (laughs) Now, did everybody start laughing
4: uh, not as much as they should have. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I mean, this is uh, uh, sort of an endemic problem. Yeah. Now that we have uh, everyone involved in the process, the process that's largely dominated by opponents, uh, people who used to say you can't fight city hall, you can't fight progress, they're all coming out. They're all at the hearings, and uh, uh, you know some of this crazy stuff is coming up. And we're talking to our clients about how do you deal. with not with rational complaints but the crazy and the irrational as well
0: yeah yeah they, they feel like they have the the power of the crowd I was uh, subdividing a five-acre uh, site I had that had one house on it that I lived in and I was gonna just build one more house and a lady came to the zoning meeting and said that her yet-to-be unborn child would die if there was one more house uh, on that five acres now she wasn't pregnant <laughs> or anything so it's some funny things so tell us about uh hearing you had on the solar farm and uh what this gentleman said
4: sure that's another favorite gentleman standing up at a solar farm hearing and saying just how many of these things do you think you can build before you've sucked all the energy out of the sun (laughs) Uh, you know and and again this is uh you know you you don't want to just laugh in their face you've got to figure out how do you deal with these concerns yeah. Um, you know, these, uh, uh, th- these people have real questions the questions might not be real rational but uh, we still need to deal with
0: them yeah that's true and you know you have better patience than I do that, that you can deal with that I know when we sell a lot of land and when, when somebody has to rezone it we want to know what kind of talent uh, do you have on the team because if it was someone like me trying to rezone it I, I just couldn't handle it so uh, tell us about the uh, gentleman that spoke up when you were doing the steakhouse
4: yeah uh very concerned neighbor uh steakhouse going in and he said uh, i don't i don't want this steakhouse uh, the smell of the steakhouse is going, going to drive all the neighborhood dogs crazy <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, not sure how we're supposed to deal with that or what uh, uh, evidence he has that that's going to cause a problem with dogs but you know uh, uh, have to deal with it somehow
0: yeah all right and tell us about the uh The uh, Board of Aldermen chairman uh, who's opposing the new grocery store.
4: Well, I wanted to point out in the article that all of the craziness isn't just on the part of the public. We do get some crazy public officials as well. Um, For instance, we had a chairman of the Board of Aldermen. Uh, in one community, who said he was against a grocery store because more grocery stores lead to fatter people? <laughs>
0: That's right. Well, Patrick, thanks for being on the show. You're fantastic. And uh, and uh, what's your uh, website if someone wants to reach you?
4: www.tscg as in the Saint Consulting Group.biz
0: All right. Thank you, Patrick. And uh, thank you on the radio stations around the country, iTunes, YouTube, for joining us. It's been a very fun show. Now join us next week. We're going to have a futurist, and we're going to look at the future of commercial real estate buildings and properties. So you don't want to miss that. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, asset and occupancy solutions. Excelligent: building data everywhere. Valuate, online investment analysis. First Service Solutions, your CMBS borrower advocate. Apto, the CRM for commercial brokers. You're invited to contact these companies through the show website, creshow.com.